Hey everybody, welcome in. I'm James Adams. He's Skeeter Robinson. This is the Fantastics My Fantasy Fix DFS Golf Podcast. And Skeeter, it's been a couple weeks. We did not have an RSM podcast. We haven't been here since the Masters. We're going to do this one and we'll be done for the, the year until January. So uh, are you ready to do 2020's Final Golf Podcast? I am. Uh, I, I think when, when I first came out before we hit record, I was like, it's kind of nice to have a real tournaments the week after Thanksgiving, like, because at this time of year, it's just like, you know, golf has been every single week. It's just like, okay, I'm ready for a break. And, you know, I think Thanksgiving was a nice break. Like RSM, I didn't go real heavy on just because it was like right after the Masters. Like, okay, I need a little bit of a time off. So, you know, after two weeks off, I'm, I'm excited for this one. Pretty good field too. So I'm, I'm excited for it. Yeah, so a lot of guys, as they were playing the Masters before and even during, they're like, well, you know, for most of us, this is the final week, and I hadn't looked ahead of time for them to see what this uh, field would look like, but uh, definitely a very good field, so I look forward to this, and uh, I don't know, at this point, is there anything we're taking from RSM or the Masters as we look to Mayakoba, or are we simply just looking at this final tournament before we uh, put, a, put a bow on this whole season? I think we just look at the final tournament, even though I will say, oh... I had I had heartbreak at the RSM because I I nearly hit my first out free tournament outright on Kisner at forty five to one and, and it looked like he had it and then um and Streb with a birdie on seventeen and then Kisner just missed a putt the first playoff hole and then the second playoff hole I don't know if you saw this but um Streb nearly Streb should jarred it from he was from rough like one hundred fifty yards hits just this perfect shot. It barely goes over the left edge and settles like less than a foot away. I don't know how that ball didn't go in, but this is just a remarkable shot. And at that point, you just know you're toast. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, because in Kisner, I think uh, he had missed the green, so he had to try to chip in. Didn't. Had left himself like 20, 25 feet for par, drains the putts. Like, true professional Kevin Kisner. That's why he's so good in match play. But, um, I mean, hey, Kis again, Kisner didn't do anything wrong. Strupp just hit a heck of a shot, and hey, that's how you win it. Yeah, and I guess since this is the first time we've gotten together, since Dustin put on the green jacket, I have to say, watching the uh, interview afterwards, uh, I was in Mexico when he won it. So I did not see any interviews there because the broadcast channel was in Spanish. Um, so I just didn't see the interview. But the interview we had with Amanda Balionis afterwards, and oh, you know, he got all choked up. I was like, that's not Dustin Johnson at all. I was like, but damn it, he's going to get me choked up now. That was really awesome. So I was very happy to see yeah, that. Yeah, no, completely agree. And I thought Balionis did a great job as he's choking up. Like, she just let it play out. Like, she wasn't trying to press anything. And I thought she handled the nah, moment. she's really good. Yeah, oh, yes. Yeah, and just, you can just, even the post-round interviews that she has with the players, you can tell that that there's a respect there and, and she knows them and they know her and there's this comfort level. But, um, no, I thought she did phenomenal and, you know, that got pointed out on Twitter, which I was glad it did. Yeah, so it was awesome. Uh, at that note, I think uh, we'll, I don't know, we'll look forward to the Masters in five months from now. But before that, we've got this tournament. We've got some spring golf, too. But what do you say? Let's get into the uh, the, the Mayakoba Golf Classic. Takes place at El Chameleon in Playa del Carmen, Mexico. And, uh, Skeeter, I don't know if I've told you this before, but last year I drove right past this place when I went to the uh, Hard Rock in Playa. You have said something about this before, and um, so <laughs> maybe once or twice. Yeah. So speaking of that, um, I, <laughs> I I do these like Facebook live trivia nights for for some people I know. Just something to do, especially during the time where you know cases are running an uptick or whatever. And 
So I did one uh, back a couple weeks ago in November, and one of my categories was islands, U.S. islands, where I would give you the island and you tell me what state it was part of. You know, it's just, you know, I used one of the Hawaiian islands, but would you like to guess one of the islands that I used as one of the five? Because I immediately thought of you for this one. Uh, I would assume it's Kiowa. Of course it was. <laughs> South Carolina, in case you didn't know. Uh, Going to host the PGA Championship next May. Can't wait. Right, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure you will, um, between now and then, we'll mention a couple times how you've played that course. Maybe. I mean, you know, I've, I don't know if I've told you this, but 17, got up and down for par on the signature at par 3, just the way Rory did on his way to winning the uh, championship in, I believe, 2014. No big deal. <laughs> I feel like you've mentioned that once or 5,000 times. It may be my, uh, I forget what social media site, I think it's Facebook, that's like my banner picture. Nice. Is me like eyeing down my par putt that my brother took a picture of, which is a, I love the picture. Uh, but anyway, we we'll get to that soon enough. Uh, but let's get into this Mycoba Golf Classic and Skeeter. Uh, before we get into the field, a field I think we're both pretty excited to watch. Let's talk a little bit about the course. It's uh, much different than Mexico City, of course, as it is uh, at sea level. But um, par seventy one, just a little over seven thousand yards, a shorter course. What are we looking at from the course, and what kind of statistics are we looking at here? Um, make birdies. I mean, we're gonna see, this cut's gotta be around five or six under par if it plays the historical norms. Just not a lot of like, there's a lot of sand on the course, but a lot of it's just not even in play for the pros. It's almost like since it's on the beach, it's almost kind of just built in a natural landscape. Same with some of the water. Like I actually did a hole by hole. I watched. It, I looked at every hole today, and there were some of these like, oh my gosh, these this should this is not gonna be tough for these pros. But what's interesting is like the par fives, the fairways looked kind of narrow, and the greens might be a little tougher to hit. But some of these bunkers were just completely out of place for professionals. So there's not going to be a ton of trouble, I don't think, that people can get into. I mean, there there are ways if you hit a really wayward shot that yeah, you're in the water, you're in some trees. But as I said, seven thousand yards. Three of the par three of the four par threes are, I believe, like 155 yards or less, including ones like 116 yards. So, not very long. Par fives are reachable. Um, yeah, it's it's open to anybody. And when you look at some of the past winners, Brendan Todd, Brian Gay, your boy Charlie Hoffman. How is this not your tournament? Charlie Hoffman and Brian Gay have won it. Um, Graham McDowell, like. You know, even Pat Perez, not exactly a huge bomber, so it fits any skill set. Kazire, I think, can hit it a little bit, and he's one here. So, you know, I don't think you need driving distance. It'll certainly help, but, you know, I think it's just all the scoring stats. I am looking at wedges, and I'm looking at 200-plus yard proximity for the par fives. But other than that, look at your birds better, your opportunities gained, go from there. I mean, Skeeter, this is somewhat my uh, one of the tournaments I like. One, I think, much like everyone uh, north of about, I don't know, certainly north of the Mason-Dixon line at this point, will enjoy watching this because the weather there will oh. be so much better than yeah. what's at home. Much like we talk about in the Hawaii swing. But, no, I mean, come on now. I was in Playa last year just south of this place. I, a couple weeks ago, I was just north of this place. Like, I mean, uh, you know, I like to make everything about me, Skeeter, just like Kiowa Island. So, I mean, this is kind of uh, one of those courses I like. Well, I was just saying this has to be one of your tournaments, but not only because you visit down there, but because two your guy, your main guy, and one of your secondary guys, Brian Gay, have won. So, yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, of course, my my man Charlie's had a little trouble since uh, taking that title down, but we'll get to that when we get to the seven Ks. 
Are we ready to get into the 10K plus? Yep. All right, let's do it. Let's get into the field. And as we said, a pretty good field, all things considered, with this being the lone tournament before the new year. And we'll start up top. Justin Thomas at 11-4. Brooks Kepka 11-even. Tony Finau 10-7. Daniel Berger's 10-4. Harris English 10-1. Skeeter, you got five guys to choose from. Your favorite play in this tier. Just, let's just let's just cut to the chase. Let's just go with Justin Thomas 11-4. Um, so I'm looking at two stat models this week. One's just past 50 rounds in general. One is the past, what you've done in the past three months. Uh, Justin Thomas is number one in this field in both. Um, over past 50 rounds, he's number one in Tita Green, opportunities gained, DraftKings, points, and birdies are better. That's pretty good. He's top 10 in both of the wedge ranges from 100 to 150. Uh, 14th par 5 strokes gained, 17th proximity for 200 plus. Putter, eh, eh, decent, but not great. But it's fine for this thing. 11-4, he's expensive. He's the best player in the field. I don't think he'd be here unless there was a reason. Maybe he's trying to fulfill his, um, what, you know, either, I think it's either you play 15, event, 15 or 20 events on tour or you have to play one event that you haven't played in the, like the past four years. And he hasn't played this since 2014 where he got 23rd. So he's priced at 11-4, but I think there's enough values in the sevens and sixes that you can easily play JT and just take the best player in the field and figure it out from there. Maybe he's good luck for Charlie Hoffman. That's the year Charlie won it, the uh, last time he played here. What do you think of that? <laughs> Ooh, so you're saying uh, top, you're saying play the Thomas Hoffman correlation play? Well, yeah, something like that. Um, look, <laughs> Justin Thomas, my favorite player in this tier too. I mean, he's clearly better than anyone else in this tier, and he's been playing great golf. I'd love to say he's got a great course history here, but he's played it the one time. He finished twenty third. He's a much more established golfer than he was then. Justin Thomas is easily the number one for myself as well. Mm-hmm. No, Who's agree. your secondary play if you do indeed have a secondary play? I really don't think I'm playing anybody else, but if I had to, I'm just going to go down to Brooks. I mean, we're finally starting to see Brooks Kepka, the you know the, the Brooks that we've been waiting for. He seems like he's healthy again. He's starting to play some good golf. So he, he again, just doesn't have a course history here. I think he played in 2013, missed the cut. His recent statistics, he's starting to score on DraftKings. He's 8th in that, 24th tee to green. So he's still not at that elite level, which is why I think $400 from Thomas to Kepka is just not enough for me to want to play Kepka. But I think at 11th, hey, you want the upside. I mean, you know, it feels like, you know, he Thomas and Kepka both should probably be top 10, 15 golfers this week. And we know they, as far as win equity, they have the highest win equity of the two. So... I'm not going to fool around. So Brooks is my number three, and the reason he's not number two is because Harris English is about $1,000 cheaper with a great course history, and he's also been playing really good as of late. Didn't make the cut at Shriners, but beyond that, 28th at Zozo, 10th at CJ Cup, 4th at the U.S. Open, and 12th at the Tour Championship. I mean, Harris English has been playing some outstanding golf, so he's my number two. I have to say, though, Skeeter, I'd imagine he's going to be pretty popular given the – Recent form and course history. No, and uh, yeah, I mean, when you think of guys who played well in 2020, especially after the restart, Harris English has been right up there. Probably should have, I mean, he should have won in Boston if you know if Dustin Johnson didn't lap the field by 10. I mean, Harris English shot 20 under, which I think is the second highest score ever or second best score ever at that tournament. Just ran the bad luck. It was Dustin Johnson, um, ultra hot mode. Yeah, totally crazy. So, um, But I'll be honest with you, I don't know if I go anywhere but JT as we'll get to the next tier for uh, 
for that reasoning. But as we finish into 10 Ks here, do you have a fade stands out amongst the others? Yeah, it's Gary Berger. Um, you know, I think this course probably fits him fairly well. He is getting an approach, but two of his past th three tournaments, he has gained major strokes putting. And 34th at the U.S. Open, 20th at CJ, 17th at Zozo. Not bad finishes, but they're not bad finishes if you're 9K. If you're 10-4 as the fourth highest priced golfer, I just can't do that. Like, I'll pay up 600 more for Brooks, or in my case, 1000 extra for JT. Like, I just think there's a clear tier difference between the two. Berger was my fifth of the five as well, so my fade. But if I'm being quite honest, if I don't play JT, I'm probably fading the entire 10K tier. Same here. So, all right, well, cool. Let's get to the 9K tier. Too and, much agreement. Uh, what's that? Too much agreement? Yeah. That's all right. We'll, we'll mix it up here, surely, I, I would uh, think. Uh, but let's go 9K, and it starts with Abe Answer, the local favorite, or at least the Mexican favorite. 9,900, Victor Hovland, 97, Ricky Fowler, 95, Russ Henley, 93, Will Zalatoris, 92, Joaquin Neiman, 91, Corey Connors, 9K even. Skeeter, out of this tier, you get seven choices. Who's your favorite? I'll be honest, when I set this lineup, when I first saw the pricing, I was not expecting this guy to be my favorite play, but stats are kind of pointing me towards him in recent form, and even his putter hasn't been awful, which for this guy is incredible. It's Corey Connors at 9K. Um, when I look over the past 50 rounds altogether, he ranks 8th in my model. He's top 20 in TD Green approach, DraftKings points, opportunities gained, par 5 strokes gained, and even the 100-125 wedge range. His putter is really the only thing that holds him back, which, again, shocker there. But even when I go over the past, you know, in the past three months, he's 2nd my model. And when I look at his putting performances... During the fall swing, or after, so he missed at the U.S. Open, he missed, and he actually gained putting there. Missed at Punta Cana, I have no stats on that, but his putting at Sanderson Farms gained 0.1, lost 0.7 at CJ Cup, gained 2.6 at Zozo, lost 0.2 at Houston, gained 0.2 at RSM. We've always said Corey Connors should be a, a field-neutral putter. He's going to give himself chances. He has three top tens his past four, including at the Masters, 9K, it does feel a little high for him, but I think he's playing really well. I don't know if there's a reason to ignore him at this price. Uh, I do not mind him at all. His course history, if I'm not mistaken, is a little bit troublesome, but that's not uh, enough to completely uh, completely turn me off. I got to go eight answer, though. I, I mean, like maybe I'm playing the, you know, the Mexican native uh, narrative or what, what have you, but look, his recent outings here, eighth last year, 21 the year before, ninth the year before that, 55th year before that, but his last three years here, been very good. So the course history, excellent. Abe Answer, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, he was tied for the lead at the Masters through two rounds. He didn't finish on Sunday very well, but he'd been playing pretty good. 13th at the Masters, 35th Zozo, 28th uh, at the CJ Cup, 4th at the Shriners. He was not good at the U.S. Open, 56th, but 18th towards championship before that, 33rd. I mean, he has been playing some really good golf after a little bit of a lull that he had after the restart, um, where he was good, I think, at the beginning of the restart, too. But mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's me saying, I want to play the Mexican guy here at, at Mayakoba, but I love Advancer this week. No, I mean, course history certainly fits. My issues is irons have not been great. But I guess, you know, there's even a little bit of that Masters lull. Like, we kind of saw what happened with Molinari after the lull. Granted, granted Answer was not in the same dramatic position that Molinari was, but... um. But no, I, he's perfectly fine. He, he's not one I'm looking at, but I don't have a problem with. 
I can promise you I'll have an answer Ortiz lineup for sure. Ah, there you go. Uh, if I said 10 lineups, I mean, I had a Rory and Shane Lowry lineup a couple a year and a half ago in uh, in Ireland at the uh, Open, and that worked out, so oh, I'm, yeah, I'm certainly going to do it. Yes, it did. Um, if you don't go Corey Connors, where else are you going to go? Well, then I'm just going to go back to another guy who's just played really well during the fall swing. It's Russell Henley at 9,300. Uh, fourth in my model, he's first in approach, second in opportunities gained, second tee to green, first in the wedge from 125 to 150, third in the shorter version from 100 to 125, ninth in DraftKings scoring. I mean, he's just been playing really well during out this whole fall swing. Uh, 30th at RSM, 20th at Houston, so he's dropped a little bit, but prior to that, fourth at Zozo, third at CJ Cup. Played well the first two events of the or Wyndham and Northern Trust, so... I mean, you look at his past, what, eight events, his worst finish is 30th at RSM. He gained on approach. I mean, he keeps hitting his irons well, so at 9,300, I, again, I just don't think there's a reason that you need to ignore him. I had him three. Okay. My number two is Will Zalatoris. No course history. Okay, I get it. But the youngster's coming on like, I mean, like crazy. He did not make the cut at Sanderson. But a course that I think is very similar, at least in the skill set it takes, in the Bermuda Championship, he was 16th. Um, I, I just noticed, like, Brian Gaze won both Bermuda in here and shorter course, Ooh, okay. uh, shorter hitter type place. Um, 16th at Bermuda, 5th at Shriners. I didn't make the cut at Sanderson. 8th at Punta Cana, 6th at the U.S. Open. 9th, 2nd, or I'm sorry, 2nd, 19th, 5th, 18th. I didn't skip a start there, 6th. He's been a top 20 golfer in every tournament except for Sanderson Farms going back to the middle of the summer. Will Zalatoris, my number two. I'm going to use him. So look at his Corn Ferry stats, too. Even before the U.S. Open, I'm trying to see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He's had eight top tens on the Corn Ferry after the restart. His worst finish on the Corn Ferry was 19th at, the, at their Tour Championship with one win. The guy's been consistent. I just... It's hard for me to pay 9200 for a guy who's just on the PGA Tour. Mm-hmm. Like, in you know, even when I see Hovland at 9700 there's just... Like, I get these guys are really talented. And at some point, we'll get to, like, Morikawa. If he was here, I'd probably pay for him. Maybe Wolf as well. I just can't do it for Hovland. I can't do it for Zalatoris yet. But I don't fault anybody for doing it. Is there any ownership leverage because Henley's been playing so good? Uh, Fowler and Hovland, popular players right around him. Any leverage to be had because other people won't turn to him? No, see, I think people will go to Zalatoris. Well, at least, okay, okay Art Bubble will because, again, let's face it, if you're playing Mayakoba, you're either wasting money because you have money and waiting for something to do for football, or you're really into golf. And Zalatoris yeah. is kind of a DFS darling already because people have just seen the talent and they're just ready to be – they don't want to miss out when he wins. Okay. Yeah, and, and I do worry about that. And I think what also moved him to second for me amongst some of the others like Connors and, and Henley and even Hovland was he has no course history. They're, they're, it, it, particularly Connors and Hovland, the course history, not great. And that's, that's why I picked Zalatoris, but I could certainly uh, understand playing any of them. So is the fade here, Ricky? That's my fade, yeah. Yeah, same Who has a good course history, by the way. Yeah, I remember I played him at 17 when he lost to Gazire in DFS. Yeah, looking at looking at Ricky's course history here. Second 16th. 
Yeah, so he's played good here. Here's my thing with Ricky. Yeah, he showed up at the Masters a little bit for a 29th. But, I mean, Ricky's just not been that great. 15th, if you go back to the St. Jude in late July. 22nd at Workday, early July. 28th at the CJ Cup a little over a month ago. 29th at the Masters, where he has historically played well. He's not really done a whole lot to make me feel like I'm going to go grab Ricky Fowler play. I'd rather save a few bucks and play Zalatoris or Henley. Right. He's going to be the play that any of the ca- any of these casual football players who are like, oh, hey, there's a golf tournament going on. Let me go ahead and play that. He's the guy that they're all going to play. And I hate to say this because I know your thought. I know you're a Ricky guy, but is he is he basically Spieth at this point? Stop it. First of all, no, he doesn't have the major. Second of all, he's making cuts, unlike Jordan Spieth, so no. Spieth had a better peak, and Spieth is much lower in the valley right now than Ricky, I think. Right, but I mean, as far... Okay, sorry, a little references. Is he basically Spieth when he comes down to DraftKings pricing or even betting odds, where he's getting... His, the reason why he's so high is just a name recognition, not necessarily current form, where at some point you just got to look and say he's not a $9,500 golfer. Yeah, I, I would agree to that. Cause, I okay. mean, 2500 at the book, plus 2500 at the book, like, I would certainly rather get Corey Connors at plus 33, right? Right, so I, I should uh, I should have said that a little bit better. That's what I meant, but oh, it okay. didn't come across that way. It's okay. But, yeah, I do love Miss Ricky Fowler. And, like I said, if he's he's one of those guys when he eventually wins that major, and I, I really hope he does, even if I don't have a dollar on him, I'll still be very happy to watch it happen. Okay. By the way, I don't know what rambling made me think of this. Um, Euro Tour starts tomorrow night. It's a it's a Tuesday night, late Tuesday night start. So yeah, Dubai Classic, I think is, is it's the Golf in Dubai Championship. So it's not the okay. it's not the Euro Tour because that's why I was like, wait a minute, is this the Euro Tour, the race to Dubai final? But no, it's one prior to that I think. So so there you go. If you there you go, we can play golf five days this week. Well, I may. I did play a golf lineup last week since there was no PGA Tour uh, to play. I did play a Euro event. Sorry, that was... I finished bottom 20%, but... That's all right. Sorry, that was completely (laughs) random for me to throw out there, but... um... Hey, that's okay. It's golf. This is a golf podcast. Well, you know, but, you know, usually it'd be something we say at the end or something. Not not as we're talking to Ricky Fowler. Oh, hey, let's go check Euro Tour. Well, that's okay. Um, So I assume Ricky is your fate as well. Yes. In the uh, 9K? Yeah. Understandably so. So we have the same one there. Let's take it to the 8K, 8K, and it starts with Carlos Ortiz, 8,900, Billy Horschel, 88, Mark Leishman, 87, defending champ Brennan Todd, 86, Sebastian Munoz, 85, Brian Harmon, 84, Emiliano Grillo, 83, Gary Woodland, 82, Charles Howe, the third, 81, Joel Damon, Patton Kazire, both 8K even. Skier, you got some choices there. Who's your favorite out of this 8K tier? I do have already bet one. Even if we're not going to play him on DraftKings. Leishman at sixty to one. Either he's either he got his form at the Masters, or he's just an Augusta course horse and they'll be it. So I'll just take the sixty to one on him and hope that he hits. But um, I know somebody who's been playing really well, but just doesn't have the course history. I mean, that's cut sixty fourth in two appearances, and that's Sebastian Munoz at eighty five hundred. Played really well at Augusta for his debut, and really since you know in the past three months, he's eleventh in my model. Outside of, um, I think it's putting. No, actually, no, it's not putting. It's his wedges from 100 to 125. He has not been great at. But other than that, 8th and birdies are better. 17th DraftKings scoring, 18th tee to green, 21st opportunities gained. He's doing everything else I want. It's an 8,500 for a guy who's just racking up top 25s left and right. 
yeah, I probably need a little bit more than that here, but, you know, he missed horribly at the RSM. Bad putting. It's, that happens, but 19th at Masters, 14th Zozo, 9th at CJ Cup. Even played well at the BMW Tour Championship during the playoffs. Like, I have no problem going back, and if people are going to be off him because of his bad RSM, thank you very much. I can't believe that that's your favorite play. Really? That's my favorite play. <laughs> I oh, did boy. not think Sebastian Munoz were where we would find ourselves with the same favorite play, but that's where I'm at, too. Uh, oh, don't worry. As I'm looking look where I go, he's 60-1. to 1. I think I'll be pouncing on that with a top six option. Oh, don't worry. I have guys this week, which I swear I've never – I rarely like. Like, I've already been on um, Con Connors, who I do like, but it's just his putting is always questionable to me. So I really like this tier. Uh, I set a lineup before we got started today with Charlie Hoffman and five guys from this tier. Yeah. I like that lineup quite a bit. So, Sebastian Munoz, for all the reasons you just said, is my favorite play in this tier as well. All right. Well, I, I said I'm playing guys who I traditionally don't play. My second favorite tier, player in this tier, and his putting, he's another one. Putting is usually not good. I'm still not going to tell you it's not. It's good. It's, it isn't, but he's been better for him. 8,300, great course history, Emiliano Grillo. I mean... <laughs> Uh, before you go any further, that's my number two. <laughs> and we did not discuss this ahead of time, but I have those two along with three other guys in Hoffman in the lineup right now. Oh, man. Well, I know you have Ortiz since you like the Mexico uh, angle, but um, no, right. since uh, in the past three months, Grillo's second approach, second opportunity to gain, he's good in all the wedges in the 200 plus. It's just, again, with him, if, if Emiliano Grillo could be court, field average or even slightly below putting and when I look at his past four registered rounds, he lost three-tenths of a stroke putting at Sanderson Farms, gained 3.2 at Shriners, lost 2.2 at Houston, missed the cuts, and gained 0.3 RSM. So, for, by Greenwell standards, he's actually putting pretty well. So, I mean, the ball striking has always been there. It still is. He He's played really well here throughout the years. Let me pull that up real quick. Uh, 10th yes. and 16, 9th and 2017, 15th, 2018, 41st last year. I mean, this feel, maybe this is like the ultimate trap where I ever play Grillo and, he miss, and, he, and he's missing four footers left and right and three, or three putting from seven feet. But um, 8,300, he's just playing too well. Maybe I'll throw him and Connors in a lineup and if they both can't putt, well, then that's one lineup down. I don't even know what to say because he is my number. We have the same one. We have the same two. So I'll just say this. Horschel, great course uh, history, is my number three, and Ortiz, my number four. Um, do you have anything good or bad to say about those guys since we've uh, we've, we've hit the same favorite in second? Um, Ortiz just kind of feels like a you know, top 25% in the field. But, again, is that really what I'm going to pay for 8900 Horschel just has been struggling. Like that. I've, there were a couple times, other terms I looked at him, I was like, I can't do it. He's not playing well enough right now. Yeah. No, I didn't think I was going to like Billy Horschel. Then for me, I guess the 38th at the Masters, 69 at Zozo wasn't great, but 28th at CJ Cup, 38th at the U.S. Open, 30th at the Tour Championship, maybe don't even consider that one, 33rd at BMW Championship. Like, it's good enough where a great course history, I feel like, okay, he's safe, he's going to make the cut, maybe he doesn't give me everything I wanted 8,800, but... Uh, I'll take a look at him. Neither one of us mentioned Brendan Todd, the defending champion. He's, I mean, I wanted to, but he's just not playing very well right now. And I just, 
again, he's kind of same boat as Horschel, just until I see some form. I'm just going to pass. Yeah, as am I. Um, well, we've talked about a lot of this this tier. I'll ask you first. We'll see if we have the same fade. Who's your fade in this tier? We don't, because it's Horschel for me. Okay, okay. Um, I'm going to go Gary Woodland. Uh, yeah, As much as I love fair. Gary Woodland, he's playing terrible right now, man. Like, I love Gary Woodland, but he's just not playing golf very well at all. And he did finish second here uh, five years ago, 34th and a 41st, so... Decent, uh, I suppose-ish course history. Not great, but he's just not playing very good. So Woodland's my pick. No, I, I, I agree. I would, I have, I looked at him and said, nope, not this week. Fair enough. Are we ready to take it to seven cap? Yep. Won't read them all. We got a bunch of choices to go through. Skeeter, my favorite is not who you think it is, even what? though I've already put him in a lineup. I like him, but I mean, you can't have five missed cuts in a row after winning this thing and be. <laughs> Like, and call that course history Charlie Hoffman. So he's not my favorite. I've certainly used him already, and I'll use him again. But let me ask you, before I go, who's your favorite in this tier? By the way, just full disclosure, he is one of the 24 people I've starred on Fantasy National. So um, he has my interest. Um, guy missed a cut here last year. It's his only appearance here. But you want to talk about somebody who can score, and this is a scoring type of course. Seth Straka, 7,600. In the past three months, he ranked second DraftKings points, fourth birdies are better, first in that wedge range from 100 to 125, eighth in approach. His worst stat of everything I'm looking at is 42nd in putting. Even when I go over 50, just 50 rounds in general, he's ninth, and his worst stat's 48th from one, approximately from 125 to 150. He's just hitting all the statistical categories I want, able to putt and... Do that, 44th at RSM, 5th at Houston, 21st at Bermuda, 43rd at Shriners. His only missed cut during this fall swing was at Sanderson Farms. It looks like he might have missed that right on the number. So I think this is a great spot for Seb Strzok at 7,600. Do I think he'll win? No. Well, he does he have top 10 DraftKings scoring potential? Absolutely. I'm going to go with a guy with a pretty good course history. He was 33rd here a year ago, but before that, 9th, 3rd, and 2nd. That's Russell Knox, who... Wasn't playing great for a little bit of a stretch, but over the last month has been playing pretty good. And again, I do feel like there's some sort of correlation, maybe not in the course entirety, but I mean, they're both on the ocean-ish. Bermuda's more on the ocean than Mayakoba. They're right there, but it's more exposed as Bermuda. Uh, but 16th Bermuda, 15th in Houston. So Russell Knox has rebounded a little bit in recent form, and he's got a really great course history here. I like Knox at, uh, what's he at, 7,700. Yeah, and he's one who, you know, when does you know if wind does kick up, he does play well. I'm just trying to look at what he's done recent other courses he's done well at. Yeah, the coastal coastal courses, wind based. I feel like he's always played pebble okay too. So that would be a. Um, be and a by the way, Graham McDowell, who has won at pebble, has won here as well. If you're looking for like a coastal uh, connection. Yeah, and I think he's won elsewhere too. Like Graham McDowell's usually an, you know, he's someone you always want to consider on these coastal courses. So. All right, so I, Knox kind of just missed my tier, but I have to look into him a little bit deeper now. If you don't play Straka, I guess in this tier, oh, especially the way I play with multiple oh. lineups, I'm going to play several guys. Is there anybody else besides Straka that stands out, or a couple names you want to throw out there? <laughs> I could throw out a bunch of names. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, if I'm playing Connors and Grillo, I'd also just continue with Team Nopat and put Keegan on that team because Keegan has been playing really <laughs> well. Second tee to green, third approach. And so I look at the putting since the past three months. 117th, huh, stunner. 
Um, Scott Pierce would be another one I could throw on that team. He he played. He, he was. I think he snuck a top twenty in at the RSM. I, I used him. He better. intrigues me. A, he intrigues me a lot here, actually, too. He was maybe my secondary play because a sixth and a fourth, two of his last three times out. Yeah, fourteenth tee to green, eleventh um, in approach. So he's playing well. Um, Streelman kind of, of popped up again. Uh, the one that I think is going to be very popular in this range. In fact, I've already bet him at one twenty-five to one. He got in. He was an alternate. He got in when somebody withdrew yesterday, and I. A few people I follow on DFS Golf Twitter were very, very thrilled. Doug Gim has been playing excellently recently. He's 7,400. He's fourth in drafting, scoring fifth in birds or better, eighth in approach, 12th tee to green in the past three months. I think he will be popular. He's, again, another popular bet at 125 to 1, but that would be one name. And then one other name, I already bet him too at 125 to 1 just because he's got a good course history. And, you know, Maybe he's not quite to bow levels, but when Pat Perez likes a course, you tend to want to pay attention. Eighth and sixth the past two years, he won here in 2016. I think it was coming off an injury or something where he was out for a long time, so it was a really good win for Pat Perez. So at 7,300, I think he's worth a chance, even if he's not maybe not in the best of forms. Not horrible, but not bad, not the best. So, um, I mean, Piercy was right there as maybe my secondary play. Of course, Strim on a guy I like to play, and, mm-hmm. you know, if there's a correlation between Pebble and here, there you go. Uh, I want to ask you about three other guys that we you did not mention, Chez Reeve, Bryce Garnett, and Peter Molnott. Any of those do anything for you? No one Garnett, and yes, I realize his history here is really good. Okay. Chez Reeve. Shorter course, I believe top 26 or better, four years in a row here. His putting is terrible right now, but everything else, or past 15 rounds, everything else has been really good for him. Let's see, what has he done in the past three months? Chez Reeby. Yeah, it's the putting in the par five, but everything else kind of makes sense. I might have to look into him. Malnati's one I have a star by. He He's played really well in this fall swing. What was the tournament he nearly won? Oh, he finished second at Sanderson Farms. Sanderson. He, mean, he finished fifth at Shriners, at the Shriners, though. I mean, so Sanderson would be the one I believe to think of. Yeah, and who did he lose to there? Because he was just like, I mean, he. I, oh, that was Sergio, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I'm Sergio was there as we as we speak. Because Bonatti so, was yeah, done like two hours. Like, he was done really early and. I think he was just watching in a range. He was on a range and saw Sergio shot with it, like Sergio put within three feet, and Valdez's reaction was like, oh, "What do you expect? I mean, that's Sergio." You are correct. He finished nine under uh, his fourth and final round at Malnati that day, and I remember watching. He was like sitting on the range with his like wife and kid watching. He was that far ahead of the uh, the, the last group. Right, but I mean, his reaction was like, "Well, I mean, he got a he got a." World top golfer in the world. What am I? What else am I going to do? I mean, yeah. So no, um, I don't mind Melnati. We didn't mention Brian Gay. He is a past champion and one of my guys, and uh, Charlie Hoffman, a past champion and one of my guys. Give me your feedback on either of those two. Um, not going to Brian Gay. Charlie does interest me a little bit here. Very consistent, in everything except his what. 100 to 125 proximity over the past 50 rounds. So I think that's what got me on to him. And even even throughout, in an even same things, recent stats, like nothing great recently, but again, he's 7,300. I don't think you need absolute greatness. So he'll be in play. Maybe I'll just throw. 
I actually think this might be a week I play 10 or even 20 lineups just to kind of see what happens. So, you know, he's on my list. We'll see if he makes the final cut. Got to get that PGA Tour fixed before we uh, go dormant until, uh, I believe it's uh, early January when they hit Hawaii. So right. I'm going to play some lineups too. Adam Hadwin, actually, I, I lied to you. I want to ask you one more name. Adam Hadwin, who's played well here, has not particularly played well as of late, though. Now, where is he at, even? I'm just eh, low sevens. Uh, 72, maybe. Where's he at? Oh, oh, boy, yeah. He has not been good. You love Adam Hadwin, by the way. He's a Canadian, dog. Yeah, he's lost oh, strokes on approach in one, two, three, four, five straight events. He's making up all the strokes around the green. This is not a tournament you want to really want to be making up a bunch of strokes around the green. Because if you are, you're probably losing. You're either missing the cut or you're gonna you're not gonna do real well. So, fair enough. Pa- pass for me. I lied to you. One more, Harold Warner the third. Another guy I like. Yeah, to I mean, yeah, he all he's always gonna pop statistically. He does he does nothing wrong. Seventy eight hundred is probably a very fair price on him. I just worry that he's going to get popular. The one thing he has done well though. In the past few months, he's putting a lot better than he has over long-term models, so that's probably good news. Who is your fade out of all the choices here in seven? Oh boy, um, <laughs> I start so many people. I did wasn't thinking of fade. I've got an old standby. I'm fading Lucas Glover, who outside of that 17th at the U.S. Open can't make a cut, and the last time he played here was 2014, and he didn't make the cut. I will fade Patrick Rogers. Okay. Who I feel like is another one of your guys sometimes. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, he certainly uh, was was considering him, but he's he's been up and down here. Um, that's okay. I won't hold that against you. We're good. <laughs> just, <laughs> like, right. just like how you didn't how, was it on Saturday on Sirius? You couldn't even throw pies or like I mentioned pie, and you just kind of got stuck on that, or you didn't even have a response. Uh, well, I mean, I certainly uh, I, I can't remember which pie you liked that, that got me flustered. Well, I said Dutch Apple, but then I also said that there was a local place around here that makes a good banana cream pie, and I might actually have to go get that here soon. Uh, I like a banana cream pie. Maybe that's what got me uh, got me going. Um, and you know how it is. Sometimes I can get off track a little bit, as uh, as as we all can. That's right. But let's get on track with the six K tier. How that? How's that for a segue? Yeah, you've had, you've had better. Okay, I'm ex- I can accept that. Uh, do you have a favorite play in the six K tier? Maybe it's better than my segue. I don't necessarily have a true favorite, but there are guys here I like. So, my I guess, you know, if you're going to make me choose a favorite, it's going to be Brian Stewart at 6,900. Uh, when I look at his course history, he's second back in 2013, ninth in 2017, did miss in, eight, in 2018, but 23rd a year ago. He's been playing decently well again, uh, 16th in my model in the past three months, 12th in approach, 23rd TA green, 25th at opportunities gain. Doesn't really do anything wrong. He's kind of top half at everything. Even when I look over 50 rounds, again, nothing really standing out. Really good with his wedges. Maybe struggles a little bit with 200-plus yard proximity. But at 6,900, I mean, sometimes just getting that average guy who's had a little bit of success here, I think that's what kind of attracts me to him. Yeah. So he is one of my few guys I wrote down that I'm interested in. I guess I'm going to try and ride this thing all the way to the grave, the uh, correlation that I'm thinking I find between Bermuda and here. And it wasn't that long ago that Ryan Armour was in the hunt at the Bermuda Championship. And I like me some Ryan Armour this week at 6,600. 
trying to find his course history here. He was 33rd last year, 21st the year before, 55th the year before that. Now, I'd prefer he finishes better than 55th, but at 6,600, if he makes the cut, lets me get Justin Thomas and maybe Abe Answer in the same lineup. I'm cool with him making the cut and finishing in the top 40 or so. And I do think this is a course where he could win or certainly could top 20. What? Has he played here before? Yeah, what did I just say he was uh, recently? 33rd, 21st, 55th. I mean, anytime you see short course, Ryan Armour is in play. So yeah. I don't hate it. Again, I there's some others I'd like a little bit better, but I'm not going to talk you off of him. There are a few guys I want to ask you about, but let's okay. see if there are the ones you already are interested in. Who else would you play besides Brian Stewart? Gosh. Um, Will Gordon has kind of popped even in recent models, so he's one I... Tom Hoagie kept popping up for me. Um, Interesting. Yeah, Luke List, who, by the way, for somebody who bombs the ball, seems to play better on shorter courses. And then, I gotta do some re more research into this one, but Johnny Vegas popped long term. Yeah, and he's been okay here, if I'm not mistaken, as well. Yeah, um, Wes Bryan would be another one who's just been playing a lot better recently, so I can go back there. Um, and I actually do have a, I have, I even have, I even have plays under 6,500, too. Okay, well, let me ask you about two guys that I found uh, interesting. Cam Percy, <laughs> David Hearn. Do either of those do anything for you? David Hearn, no. Cam Percy, yes. Okay. Well, I'm glad you're laughing that you liked him and not that you didn't like him. You know, I was laughing as soon as you said Cam Percy because he was one of my under 6,500 guys, so... Let's see, 20th in approach, again, this is this will be since the uh, past three months. 20th in approach, 13th in DraftKings points, 16th birdies are better. Not not the best with his wedges. Up, doesn't always give himself opportunities, but when he gives him, when he actually gets opportunities, he makes them. So, and he actually, and he's actually much more consistent over 50 rounds, so 6,400, yes. Um, who was the other one you said? David Hearn, who sits there right next to him at 64. Did he play well sometime in the past couple of years at one of these? Uh, well, he finished eighth at Bermuda, that's, and maybe yep. I'm making too much of this, but he was 41st here last year, and at 6,400, I take that. He finished 16th here uh, the year Charlie Hoffman won in 2014. Okay, yeah. I don't have any interest in her. Like, my other random guy was Michael Gligic. Okay. I'm trying to figure out why he popped to me. Maybe it's just exceptional par five strokes game was what uh, got me, but... um. I didn't have a $6,200 player that at least, if you absolutely had to punt. Um, Joseph Bramlett, showing some good, uh, ninth from approximately from 100 to 125 over the last 50 rounds, 29th par 5 strokes gain, 26 opportunities gain, and outside of putting, he doesn't really do anything else horribly wrong. Not the great wedge player, or, no, he's good He's good at the short wedges, it says. The long wedges with a 9-iron are not great at, but... 6,200, I didn't think he was the worst punt I've ever seen in this price range. And four consecutive uh, finishes, top 45 or better. Yeah, I mean, well, as the last guy in, if you wanted to go try to build, do some, so, some sort of like Brooks' um, JT build, he wouldn't be a terrible play there. I've got to ask, what, if anything, can you tell me about Austin Ekro and Quade Cummins, two uh, college golfers in this field? So they have they stood out because they have no statistical numbers next to them on the DraftKings site, and I looked them up. Very good uh, golfers in college. One Oklahoma State, one Oklahoma. I don't know why the two golfers would come from that same state, but any insight on those guys at all? 
No, I mean, I'd heard of... Ekroth sounded like a name I've heard of before, but I don't know anything about him. Maybe it's because he's part of these, these Oklahoma State legendary teams, but Quade Cummings I know nothing about. Okay, I'm going to give you a reason to consider Quade Cummings at 6400. All right. I want you to find his uh, his Twitter profile. You can you can do it later. His banner, his picture is him. His banner on the top is the Undertaker. <laughs> And he's also like one of the top-rated golfer, uh, golfers in, in the country and in the collegiate level. So, Eckrode, I think, recently set a course record somewhere in Oklahoma that um, some Oklahoma State greats had uh, done well at, including like uh, I want to say uh, Matthew Wolf. So I think okay. that's maybe that may be where you heard him because um, being a very nasty day here in Greater Cincinnati, I decided to do a little research on these fellows to figure out who they were because I thought usually when you see somebody with an absolute lack of any statistical thing you just expect to be 6k even and then you just pass and go on like okay these are guys after thoughts in the field but i'm wondering you know I, I'm, I'm curious of these guys i don't know if i'll play them. i was just curious if you had yeah. any insight no i i didn't um that's interesting though the call i mean we've seen we've seen some college players pop up before but boy here's a night here's a nice time to go play hey you should go play mayakoba yeah really right like um, i don't know how much different the weather is in oklahoma than it is here or there but it's probably better in Mayakoba. I'm going to assume Mayakoba is a little better rather than uh, Oklahoma. Just a guess. That's yeah, a fair guess. Um, I don't know if I have anybody else. Like Bronson Burgoon, Jason Duffner, J.J. Spahn were names I was looking at. But uh, is there any reason for me to be interested in those guys? I don't think I don't think it is. Okay. Um, do you have a fade in this tier? Oh, uh, I can uh, give you one here. Um... Aaron Terrazas, who again I have no idea who this is. Maybe he's in, maybe he's another college golfer. That's good, but um, yeah, let's make him my fade because I don't know who he is. Okay, I don't really have a fade in here, but we'll fade. Uh, I don't know. I, I really don't have a fade. I'm wondering why Ryan Gibson is 6K even. He's made half the cuts of the tournaments he's played in. Like I'm very confused at that. Ryan Gibson. He's the very last guy listed, 6K even. He did not make the cut of Bermuda, but he was 21st at Punta Cana. 23rd Safeway. Missed on a number, it looks like RSM Bermuda. I mean, he's missed the cut both times here. Like, I don't know, like, I'm not saying I want to play him, but as I got all the way down to the bottom, I was like, that doesn't look like the guy who should be the very last guy on this list. Right, like, Michael Kim's down here who misses way too many cuts, unfortunately. Um, no, that's actually, I mean, statistically, he doesn't, Actually, he's really bad tee to green uh, approach, which is usually not good. But everything else, he's actually not horrible for somebody at six k stone minimum. Yeah. Again, I'm not going to play him, but I was just very curious. Yeah. Hmm. There you go. Play play your D or uh, play your JT and Brooks line. <laughs> throw Ryan Gibson in. There you go. Uh, yeah, I'll go ahead and uh, I'll make my fade Andy Ogletree only because it's sixty seven hundred. I would much rather play uh, Ryan Armour at sixty six hundred. Right. Or I'd rather pay Brian, Brennan Steele at the same price, 6700 Who we did not mention, by the way. I saw some people talking about him, but yeah, he didn't pop for me either. So, uh, anything else from the field that we want to we wanna hit here? I don't think so. Okay, well, I don't know about anyone else out there. I would imagine that this is not involved in any one-and-done contest. <laughs> um, no. If it were, 
I guess it would all depend on if it was your first or your last and what you were trying to do. So, I mean, it's more of a game theory question than anything. But, I mean, I don't have anything going on outside of just DraftKings lineups and uh, making some plays at the book this week. That's all I have, yeah. I'm done with one and done. I'm done with all the other stuff, so. So, fire up Charlie Hoffman at 100-1, to and uh, Emiliano uh, Grillo is, uh, where was he at, 45-1? to I didn't look at his odds, but I hope for your sake Charlie comes in 100-1 to because, you know, that would be, you deserve Charlie at hundred to one. I hope you. I mean, for as much as you support that guy, if he can, if he can bring you triple digits, that would be. I would be so thrilled for you. Twenty twenty deserves Charlie Hoffman. That's also a, a fair assessment. Um, this has nothing to do with golf in itself, but there is a uh, a guy in Memphis that does a radio show. I can't think of his name. He had a very viral video where he was like basically had like kind of a, a club DJ music, and he was giving. Uh, Freestyle rap uh, masters updates. Did you see this by any chance? I did not. Okay, I will send you the link when we're done. But one sure. of the questions he asks as he uh, repeats, "That's what's going on at Augusta." And by the way, I love this video. I played it for my buddies uh, even last night when we were chuckling over it. He questions, "Where's Charlie Hoffman? Where the hell is Charlie Hoffman? We'd be missing Charlie Hoffman." And uh, that's how I felt while watching the Masters. So. Well, I think I think a couple of the other podcasts I listened to for the Masters that was basically a thing like. Darn, we can't bet Charlie Hoffman first-round leader. So, I mean, that, that was a popular sentiment. Well, I, I understand why, and after he goes ahead and wins Mayakoba for the second time, we'll be able to bet him next year. All right. Hey, I'm ready for that. <laughs> On that uh, silly note, uh, I've got nothing else, Skeeter. If, you, if you've got nothing else, we'll put it to uh, we'll put it to, to bed. Nope, I'm good. Um, just thanks, everybody, for listening throughout this whole year. Uh We'll be back in July, or well, we'll be back in July, but we'll also be back in January for um, correct for year three of this. So um, yeah, pl- you know, enjoy the football season, enjoy this final uh, DraftKings tournament. I can't imagine they're gonna have one for was it the QBE shootout or whatever it is. But um, yeah, exciting time I think to be in golf as we're starting to see the networks embrace fantasy and betting and no kidding things That's like awesome, that. So. Um, yeah, enjoy it, and, you know, if, if you really need a golf fix, I think the Euro Tour is still going to have something uh, next week. They're probably, probably the race to Dubai, and that might actually be worth uh, playing a DraftKings lineup or even doing some betting on that. Yeah, and I will I will make sure, uh, as I'm sure you will too, as you'll be on the uh, serious show, that we uh, definitely try to turn people's attention to golf once football season ends. But uh, good luck the rest of the way in football. Good luck to everybody in golf. And, Skeeter, I will certainly talk to you before then. But happy Thanksgiving. Happy upcoming holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah and all the rest, everyone. Uh, We appreciate you listening this year.